Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the Mining Podcast. And we have a returning guest today uh, who first appeared back in December 2021. So um, just over six months ago, which was episode 193. So I do encourage you to go back and look at that episode. Um, and we have uh, Mike Ferguson, who is the president and CEO of Gensource Potash, who are a Canadian-based fertilizer fertilizer development company which is focused on developing resource opportunities within a specific focus on uh, potash development. Uh, Mike is a professional engineer with over 25 years uh, experience in potash and uranium um, and is is leading the development of this uh, Greenfield property um, and is here to tell us, give us an update from when he was last on and there's obviously been a lot of updates uh, during the course of the year or, or where they are with the, with the project. So um, welcome, Mike. Thanks very much. Good to see you again. Yeah, and yourself. So um, for those that haven't, um, that didn't listen to the previous episode, obviously I encourage you to go back. But I just want to just give us a quick snapshot of yourself, your career, um, and then obviously just tell us a little bit about uh, Gensource um, as a company. Yeah, that, I, I, as, uh, as you mentioned, I'm a, an engineer, uh, born and raised in Saskatchewan, uh, lived, uh, lived my life there and uh, my whole career in, in the mining industry in Saskatchewan, which is predominantly potash in, in Saskatchewan. So that's, uh, that, that's how I ended up here, I guess. Um, we're, we have uh, assembled a team that uh, has, has done large greenfield project uh, development before at, at GenSource and been successful doing it. Uh, so... Gensource starts from a very uh, strong position in terms of the, uh, the technical uh, and the uh, project capability of, of the team. Uh, we're doing things a little bit differently at, at, uh, at Gensource here. We, uh, we're developing potash, uh, but we're doing it in a modular and scalable fashion with uh, an environmental profile at the core uh, of what we're doing. So we have lease areas in the, in the province uh, that that in based on the area that's there, can support 3 million tonnes a year of, of production. Uh, but the question is how you get there. And instead of a single large uh, 5 or $8 billion project that takes 10 years to produce 3 million tonnes, um, we've chosen to uh, approach it in a, in a modular and scalable fashion. So our modules uh, produce each 250,000 tonnes per year. So a, a small modular step that only takes two years to implement starts to cash flow uh, and and then you add another module and add another module and add another module so you 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 step yourself into the larger scale production through a modular approach in a much more controlled capex and project environment rather than a a mega multi-billion dollar mega project uh, that that are often very very hard to control Uh, you you scale it down to these modular, smaller scale projects that that are easier to control, gives you uh, quick cash flow 
to start funding the next module and you and you work your way into the uh, into the larger production scenario that way at, at the heart of it all though is is the esg profile that the uh, the methods that we are pioneering here are uh, are, are you they're, they're they're proven in in various parts around the world uh, but they will be this will be the the first uh, potash mine that leaves no salt tailings has no brine ponds and uh, additionally, our, our water consumption is 75% less per ton of, of product uh, compared to conventional solution mining. So we, we have a, uh, this modular project that has a, an environmental profile that is head and shoulders above anything else in the world. And uh, we, we think it will really point the way to the future of how potash uh, will be produced. Uh, we spoke uh, at the end of 2021. Um, Why don't you just give us a, a quick update? on what GenSource um, has been up to so far uh, during 2022. And obviously we're recording it. in June, so that's six, yes. six seven months. That's right. It, it's, it's a funny thing. Uh, it's only six months, but wow, the world is a different place, isn't it? Uh, you know, for, for us, the, the change in, in the, uh, the potash industry specifically uh, actually started a little bit before that in about a year ago now with uh, the flooding of Mosaic's K1 and K2 potash mines in Saskatchewan at Esterhaven. So that was the first supply shock in the, in the potash industry in, in, in this cycle. Um, and that took 5 million tons a year out of the, out of the marketplace. Uh, then in the fall, we had the Belarus uh, sanctions uh, that took uh, it, it took a little while to, to implement those sanctions, but ultimately it removed uh, 12 million tons per year from uh, the, the global marketplace. And then, of course, things really changed in February with uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, um, because that started to put the Russian uh, potash producer, uh, Urokali, uh, under a cloud. Now, uh, as I understand it, they're, they're not officially sanctioned, but uh, being a Russian producer, the, the product is... Uh, uh, it's difficult to get, uh, difficult to finance. So it's uh, it's put another 12 million tons per year under a, a cloud. So that that's the progression of things that's led to the spike in fertilizer prices and, the, and specifically the potash prices uh, recently, because there is a genuine structural supply side problem in in the industry. And we we started what what we're doing here. Uh, uh, partially to try and solve the problem. We, being industry insiders, we've seen that that problem uh, for for decades, um, and, and are, are trying to solve it by creating new and independent supply chains through these modules that that we're uh, producing. So the idea there is we add uh, diversity, add resiliency to the supply chain of potash, uh, which is sorely lacking right now. And and we see that we have between Belarus and and Russia, we have in the range of 40% of the world's potash production under a cloud all of a sudden. And that's, that's a number that simply can't be made up by, uh, by other producers or a change in trade flow. It's, it's too big. So there's, there's a genuine supply shortage uh, and it's a structural issue that needs to be solved. So uh, we, we have, in the intervening six months, we have uh, continued our efforts to, to complete the financing for our first module uh, modular project, which is the Tagaski project. And uh, amidst, the, uh, amidst the difficult financial market situation, we're making good progress on, on that front. So we, we hope to have it, uh, find it announce some financing uh, for that uh, in, in, the near, in the near future. 
and get that first module into production. So that's our sole focus right now. Yeah. At the same time, though, given the circumstance in the world around potash supply, uh, there's been uh, an enormous increase in interest in our model. We, we have interest uh, coming in from all parts of the world uh, to try to uh, create their own supply chains, right? So now, now all of a sudden, with the uh, Russia uh, situation, uh, the whole world can see the problems, the structural problems in the supply side of, of the potash industry, and and people are starting to react. So we're uh, we're we're fielding those discussions at the same time around a, a second project, a third project, a fourth project to start adding uh, modules and adding these uh, diversifying supply chains to the industry. Uh, we mentioned um, before we come on 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 air. Uh, you mentioned that potash is all over the media. All of a sudden, everyone's talking about potash. What What are some of the things the media are saying? And I suppose what what message are they trying to trying to get across around potash? You know, I, I, I'm not sure there's a, a a clear message from the media other than there's a problem here. Uh, you know, because of the uh, the curtailment in supply um, and the spiking of prices and the the link that it has as, a, as one of the three main fertilizers, there's a direct link to food production. And, you know, we're, the food production and food, food security has become a, a really big issue in the last several months. And it's, it's, uh, it's fundamentally, it starts with the uh, Russia-Ukraine war because Russia, both Russia and Ukraine are large exporters of grains. Uh, and those grains are, uh, are are hindered from from getting to export markets. So there's a there's a genuine uh, concern around getting food out to where it needs to get to. Um, and when you add in the fertilizer issues on top of that, not just potash, all fertilizers are having a bit of trouble right now, but potash particularly, uh, that just exacerbates the the food problem because it uh, it goes to. Uh, uh, the it, as it gets more expensive, uh, farmers only uh, either cut back acreage or reduce uh, application of fertilizers, and that has an impact on future yields. So it starts to look like we're forecasting uh, smaller yields going into the future, which just compounds the problem on on food security. So the, those those messages are all kind of mixed together. Um, the you know the potash industry. I, I smiled when you said that it's in the news because it's such an obscure industry. Most people don't even know what potash is, uh, let alone that it's a mined product or or what what the size and shape and consistency of the industry is that that produces it. Um, but the people are starting to look now because it's it's become a serious issue. So it's from from that perspective, it's nice to see. Uh, just getting information out there about what the industry is, what it isn't, what some of the problems are, uh, and uh, and how those problems can be uh, ameliorated in going into the future is a good thing, right? Just to get that information out to the public. Um, you recently announced the acquisition of uh, Enervair Technologies uh, back in April. Um, can you tell us more about that acquisition? Uh, yeah, absolutely. We've been we've been working with uh, with Innovari Technologies for for since the beginning of our uh, uh, our project development phase uh, and the the decision was made that uh, going forward uh, it's important for gensource to um, own and control all all of the uh, ip gensource has its own ip Innovari brings its uh, ip to to the mining and processing methods that we're using 
And uh, we, we felt it was a strategic uh, decision to acquire uh, Innovari and, and make that uh, a core technology that's owned and controlled by GenSource going forward. So that, that was the fundamental driver for it. Okay. Uh, one thing, just give us a quick update on the project, um, I suppose, for this year. Where, where you're up to now. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I mentioned the uh, our main focus is completing the uh, the financing for the first project, Kagaski. Uh, in the background, uh, of course, the world has changed in a lot of different ways over the last uh, six or eight months. And one of them is on uh, supply chains in general and costs. So project uh, construction costs are going up around the world. There, there's no, there, you can't hide from that. Uh, steel price volatility. We have a lot of uh, specialty uh, metals, uh, specialty alloys in, in our process. Those are very volatile and uh, going up and down in price. So it's, it's hard to pin them down. So we've spent, uh, as we complete the financing, uh, we've spent a lot of uh, time and effort in uh, engineering, uh, nailing down the design, uh, pinning down some of the key contracts that, that are part of the, the, the project. Um, and coming up with a new uh, project cost estimate. That's that's critical going forward, both for the financing parties, debt and equity, uh, but also for ourselves, right? Uh, when, when you go into uh, project construction, uh, you want to make sure that you're comfortable with what you're doing. So that, that work's going on now. We uh, expect to finish it over the summertime and, uh, and have a, a complete and up-to-date uh, cost estimate on the project. Um, obviously, we've just covered this where food, obviously, security is becoming a, a global concern, um, obviously, because, because of uh, the war in Ukraine. Um, how important is, it, is the role for GenSource, uh, given the current circumstances, um, and what are you doing to help combat the food crisis? Yeah, so I, I think uh, GenSource uh, can play a key role in this uh, both we talked a little bit about diversifying and adding resiliency to the supply chain uh, that's important to to have some diversity in the supply side so that we um, we we avoid or mitigate as best we can the current situation where we have um, you know the second and third largest producer of potash in the world uh, kind of behind a cloud and, and their product unavailable to the market in, in general um, but uh, also, I, you know, I think on a on a calendar basis, uh, GenSource and its modular approach brings new production to the industry within two years, and and that for for a potash project that is lightning fast. You know, most of these projects are eight to ten year um, large scale projects, and uh, when when we can show new production, new tons into the marketplace within two years, and then very shortly thereafter, additional modules coming on the stream. Uh, that that adds that that needed new supply as quickly as it possibly can be done. There's there's really no other there's no other faster uh, way to bring tons to the market. Um, you mentioned earlier um, that there's an undersupply of forty percent. Is that correct at the moment? Yeah, the, we we have uh, between the Belarusian uh, potash producer and the Russian potash producer, they they account for forty percent of, of the world's potash production. And those, okay. those ones, you know, the from Belarus is I think it's it's formally sanctioned. Uh, the the Russian producer is not formally sanctioned, but the product is uh, is not moving like it uh, would normally move. 
So where where will we make this up from? Well, that, that's do you have any? yeah, we uh, we won't. Uh, that, that's kind of the, the simple answer. Um, some some product will make it out of Russia, uh, as we understand it. Product is making its way out of Russia in smaller tonnages, so that helps. Uh, but uh, there, there's no there's no way for the other producers to simply turn up the dial. The Nutrien announced the, the other day that they they plan to bring on I, I think it was five million additional tons, uh, but the the schedule is murky there. Other than a, a statement in, in an article indicating that it would take years and billions of dollars of investment to bring that uh, uh, that uh, additional five million tons to market. So. It, it's a difficult situation, and there's, there's we see it as a structural um, issue within the supply chain that is not going to be solved very quickly. And is there any other sort of large scale developments that you're aware of that that are obviously like yourselves um, around the world that will hopefully make that shortfall less? Yeah, well, you know, BHP has announced the, their entrance in. I saw in that, yeah. With the industry, with their Janssen project here in, in Saskatchewan, uh, and and that's good. That adds a, a new supplier, uh, but that's one of the large mega projects, right? They, you know, they they have somewhere in the range of four billion dollars invested already. They've announced another uh, almost six billion to complete it, uh, and they're they started out forecasting, I think, twenty twenty seven production. They're trying to bring that back earlier under the current circumstances, but it's it's one of these. Long-term, very large-scale mega projects that uh, that just takes a long time to to bring this product to to the market. So that's the only uh, other than the Russian uh, projects and and Belarusian projects uh, that that's really the only one in a uh, a good, solid, reliable jurisdiction uh, that is on the horizon. Other than Gen Sources. Uh, uh, modular, scalable uh, approach to bring tons to the market quickly. Um, obviously, ESG is a big, big factor that everyone's has been talking about over the, obviously, more recently over the years. Um, what are your ESG initiatives um, and your approach to ESG with obviously your project? Yeah, it's it's the first question uh, every investor asks about. Uh, these days, so it, it's an important aspect, and it's it's baked into the DNA of what we're doing. Uh, the uh, that we we started this with the idea of of using a form of solution mining that allows us to avoid uh, salt tailings completely. So we we create no tailings whatsoever, no brine ponds, no tailings. So those those are the major environmental impacts. Uh, there's never been a brine pond. Uh, built by man that has not leaked. Uh, all of the uh, brine ponds in, in Saskatchewan potash mines leak. They're measured uh, continuously to, to monitor where they're leaking and how much. Uh, so the only way to avoid that environmental damage is to not start it. Uh, and that's what we're doing. No tailings, no, uh, no brine ponds uh, surrounding that. Uh, so that it's, it's baked into what we're doing. Uh, and it, as I mentioned before, it represents a real sea change in how potash uh, should be produced going into the future. That there's uh, there's no need to create these salt piles. Uh, that there's real there's no real decommissioning plan for these salt piles. They'll they'll last for centuries uh, as as natural rainfall slowly dissolves them. Uh, so it, I, that amounts to no decommissioning plan. 
so the the key is to uh, is to is, is to avo- just avoid the uh, the uh, deleterious effects right don't don't even go there uh, and then you don't have to mitigate them and in this case it has some some really positive synergistics effects right we we don't have to construct tailing management areas we don't have to operate them we don't have to decommission them so it, it represents a cost savings to avoid these environmental hazards uh, and this the the, uh, the Tagaski project was provided with its uh, environmental approval through the regulatory process uh, without the need uh, to create a full environmental impact assessment. We did essentially all of that work anyways, just to, to prove our point. But the regulator agreed that we simply didn't trigger any issues that, that would require uh, a full EIA. So that is a first anywhere that we're aware of for a, a potash mine. So it's it, the whole ESG story is, is baked into uh, what we're doing in the first place. With obviously everything that's going on in the world, um, how do you see the short to medium term outlook of the potash industry? So over the next two, three, four years? We, we see prices uh, staying high as there uh, continues to be a structural supply shortage. Um, and uh, there, there will be new production come on. Uh, the existing players will add production as they can. Uh, you know, BHP and its large project will will come on uh, eventually towards the end of the uh, the decade here. Um, and you know, all I, I think all all we can do is is uh, hope that each producer around the world does its best to fill up the supply gap in in the short term until new capacity comes on in stable jurisdictions that start to ameliorate this uh, structural supply issue that we've got. And um, concluding, I just wonder what the outlook is for uh, GenSource for the remainder of the year um, and any last thoughts that you may have. Yeah, thanks for that. So our, uh, going forward, we uh, we will complete our Tagaski financing and launch that project into full execution mode. Uh, and it's, it's our hope that at the, at the same time, we will also uh, be in a position to, to formally uh, discuss a, a project two, quote unquote, a project two, a second project in, in a different jurisdiction uh, so that we can start start the process towards uh, this modular approach to add production that will be focused towards uh, a, a new market. Of course, Tagaski is, is uh, uh, through our partner Helm, is marketing its product uh, into the United States. Uh, and project two, uh, we'll have a different uh, a different market, uh, but we hope to uh, before the end of the year have a, be able to formally uh, discuss uh, what that project is and uh, and show our uh, our shareholders that uh, this this modular approach uh, does generate uh, additional projects and additional tonnage. Uh, that's it's good for GenSource. It's good for the potash industry. Uh, it's good for the world uh, to diversify the supply base and add new tons to the market. Mike, really appreciate your time and uh, give us an update and obviously wish you well uh, for the rest of the year. Maybe you want to come on end of end of the year, beginning part of next year uh, with an update and obviously an update on the project. Um, for those that have any questions or want to uh, find out more about GenSource, how can they go about doing that? Um, what are your social media channels? Are you on any? Yeah, we're... Uh... We're out on uh, on Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, you can find us there. Uh, you can just visit our website at gensourcepotash.ca uh, and there's uh, some contact information there that uh, 
can get a hold of us. We're we're happy to talk to shareholders and uh, interested parties. Yeah, so, uh, appreciate your interest. And we can include those in the the show notes accompanying this Very as well. Good. So uh, easy access. So Mike, wish you well for the rest of the year. Um, and yeah, like you said, it's in it's important. Um, potash is obviously important for food production. Um, and like you said, there seems to be a really undersupply of uh, of potash and it's needed. And that obviously it's needed to replace, um, like you said, it's 40% down, it needs to be replaced. So um, hopefully producers and potential develop, developments out there um, can move ahead um, and maybe make up some of those, some of those uh, numbers. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. Thank, um, thank you for listening. I appreciate if you can uh, share this episode uh, amongst um, people that you know, because um, obviously it, it's around food production and obviously all of us eat. So appreciate if you can share this episode amongst friends, family, and obviously others in the industry. So um, until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.